Will you please welcome our guest moderator, Paul Croton. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for joining us here at the Apple Store on Regent Street. Uh, you all know who's about to come out, but I'll tell you a little bit more about him. He has shot the famous and the wretched, the rich and the poor, the beautiful and the ordinary. He has produced more than 30 books, launched four magazines, has two galleries in London and LA. He's directed commercials, feature films, presented documentaries, hosted TV shows, and staged exhibitions around the world. He's been called arrogant, a pornographer, the greatest British snapper of his generation, and one of the world's most influential photographers. His advertising and charity work has resulted in some truly iconic imagery. What he's probably best known for are his portraits of stars, rock, pop, and film stars, some of whom he helped propel to greatness. Kate, Heidi, Jude, Madonna, Claudia, Damon, Elton, Jarvis, Bono, Lily, and Liz, the queen to you and me. It is perhaps appropriate then that he goes by only one name himself. Ladies and gentlemen, Rankin. Thank you. How, How are you? you? Right? I'm good. I've met you already outside. Yeah, we do. We said hello. Hello. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I don't feel like Miley Cyrus yet, but <laughs> maybe in a little bit. How do you feel up here in front of the camera? Are you comfy there rather than behind it? Uh, not really. Good. But I'm all right. I'll be okay. Um, as I mentioned in the introduction, you've done quite a lot of things. Magazine publisher, film producer and, and director. Yeah. But I'm guessing that it's photographer and photography that's kind of your first love and the most important to you, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I think um, when, it, when I was growing up, to be a film director was just so unbelievably, it was so far away from what I thought was possible. So my aspirations were what was immediate and easy to do, which was, you know, to pick up a camera and take photographs was something anybody could do on their own. And um, I didn't come from an art background. In fact, nobody in my family had any art sort of credentials or history. They didn't, e they didn't even really know about art. So I came from a kind of quite working class Glaswegian family and they, you know, my dad learned everything from the Reader's Digest and, you know, they were quite uneducated, but they did okay for themselves then. So I did okay at school and they didn't even think I was going to go to university. They thought it was that stupid type thing, but they knew I was smart, but I wasn't like educationally smart because mm. no one in the family had ever been smart in that way. So, you know, actually changing to, to do photography was quite a big deal. And my dad didn't talk to me for about a year when I decided to actually do it. So it was quite a big, it was quite a big shift from, from what I was expected to do. Sure. Now, I've worked with you in the past on, on magazines, but I was interested to talk to you on right pornography, now. isn't it? Well, not quite pornography, but we, we shot yeah. some interesting people. Let's say. Um, but now's an interesting time for us to talk because you've got a new um, exhibition happening just about to, just opened, I think, in Liverpool. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about this called Alive? Yeah, the, the, the project was... Uh, the catalyst for the project was my parents dying, um, which sounds really depressing. Um, but actually, what this show has turned out to be is quite, quite something very positive. But my parents passed away, and in, the, in Britain, we don't really talk about death. So people that are becoming ill or you know, are getting to old age, it's kind of become a taboo subject. 
and actually happens, most of it happens behind closed doors. And when I, when my mum my got ill, we didn't, we didn't really talk about what was going to happen, you know, if she did die. And I didn't think she was going to die. And then my dad, always one to kind of, you know, get, get in there first, had a heart attack before my mum and died. So it was all, it all happened within three weeks. And then my mum my passed away. And I hadn't really talked to my dad at all because I was like, stop, you know, worrying about yourself and let's worry about mum. Um, so, you know, I was very close to my parents. So, and they were very, they were very okay with death. You know, they, 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 the, the little they had said about it was not to worry about it. They didn't and fear it. Not, not, not to worry about us, mm. you know. And they, were, they, they, they didn't have any religious background at all. So there was no kind of after-death kind of um, sort of religious connotation. So, but for me, it was like, God, I didn't, I didn't deal with that. I didn't know how to deal with it. So I thought, if I, if I um, kind of do a project that's about people that are terminally ill, I'll, maybe I can start to bring out some of the things that are going on in my head. And also, I just think it'd be a really interesting thing because we don't talk about it. So I started the project, and I didn't want it to be called death. I wanted it to be called about life because mm. you don't want to photograph people you know, that you think are going to die. You want to photograph people and hope they live. Um, and, it, and, and then it turned out to be this amazing journey that I've made with all these, these people that have, some of them have, have, have uh, kind of beaten, you know, illness. Some of them are, are still ill. Um, some of them have passed away, unfortunately. And it's, but it's just been this, you know, in, in, and my kind of original thought was that the people that are ill or the people that are close to death or have been close to death are the people that actually are the ones that love life. So if they're very positive people or the people yeah. that at least I met. So, um, I think you know, we've got, you got some, a lot some shots we can see. Uh, yeah, of some of this these. is my mum and dad first, I think. So that's my dad. What was it like shooting your parents? Well, Were they good subjects? They behave? No, my, my dad kind of enjoyed it. My dad always enjoyed... He was like, I used to say he's like Des O'Connor, I don't know if people know who Des O'Connor is, but he'd come to my private views and be like Des O'Connor, like showing everyone around, and he's very proud of me. And um, my mum was just, you know, she was the one that kind of gave me the, the belief in do what you love, don't, you know, don't, don't do stuff just for the money. Yeah. And then these are, I wanted to get some sort of famous people, because I'm, fa you know, I'm well known for, for celebrity portraiture, and I couldn't work out how to to take photos because it didn't relate to it. And I thought, I, actually, if you take a life mask or a death mask, it's the closest thing to what people had before photography. So you take a, a cast of someone's face, that becomes a negative, and then the positive is the mask. Can anyone guess who that is? Does anyone know who? I'm pointing down there. That's where I can see it, but you can see it over there. It's Joanna no? Lumley. Yeah, so these were the kind of like having the, that one, that was quite easy. Anyone? Jarvis Cocker. You're not good at this game, are you? Come on. I'll be back. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Now, that one's quite curious, isn't it? Yeah. I, yeah, that's it. It's Michael. Michael Jackson. I don't know when it was taken, that one, because we got them from this guy who does cast for films. Um, some of them. Some of them we got done for, for, you know, for the project, and some of them... Yeah, so I don't know when it was made, but I never see it. Everybody else sees it straight away, but he looks like a child. Mm, he does look very childlike. weird, right? 
And then we've got a few others that are the people, the cast. Yeah, well, this that is, this is it. Like, one of my approaches to it was to do some self-portraits, which I always think is good to... You like a self-portrait, then you will we'll like, get to that in a bit. I tell you what, I like self-portraits because they they make you rem they remind you what it is to be the other person. So it's a good it's a good reminder for yourself how difficult it can be, and also you don't you know I don't want to do this on other people. And for me, it was a kind of way of I was quite well, the first thing I learned when I when I started doing the project was I was really scared of death, and I didn't realise that till I started it. And I thought, God, how do I process that? So I thought, well, I'll do some of these death masks like Mexican. Sort of death masks. Yeah. And that was that one. And this is a professional mourner. So this is in Ghanaian culture. They pay people to to come to the, the funeral. And you have to pay at the funeral. And you're kind of sh named and shamed unless you put some cash in. But they hire professional mourners to come to the, to the funeral and go, you know, whatever, Rankin, Rankin. You know, Imagine we missed you, Rankin. Which was, which, if, and I was photographing them, so they were doing it, and then I'd stop, and they'd just go, "Is that all right?" And I'd be like, they'd be crying, and uh, in the end, I kind of got into it, and I was like, "Say, don't die, Rankin, don't die," and I had all of them, all four of them, saying it. What a weird job. It's great though. I love it. I was like, it's great, kind of knowing about death and sort of like talking about it, because you become less and less scared of it, and um, and then I was like, I'm gonna have some Ghanaian. Mourners at my funeral would be brilliant, wouldn't it? Like just going all oh. liven it up a bit. And they're not—they're not that expensive. <laughs> <laughs> if you're interested, see ranking after the show. Yeah. So this is Johnson Bahari. I always get his name wrong. Johnson Bahari, and he's uh, the only living uh, man or woman with uh, the Victoria Cross. And uh, he's a bit of a gift for me actually, because he came in, and this was the idea of survivors, people that very close brush with death and he, he, so he it's not all about people who yeah are it's all it, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about people that had kind of survived death. you know and how it changed their lives okay but um he, he obviously got the Victoria Cross I mean he was what he did was crazy um and if you, you want to know about him go go on the internet and find out about him because he's a really incredible guy I'm very humble with it I and mean, then he said oh do you want to photograph my you know my my tattoo and that for a photographer that's a gift you know it's like he took his shirt off and it's like this massive Victoria Cross he's had tattooed on his back. So it was quite iconic straight away. Um, really cool guy. And this is a guy called Jim Edwards. He's got emphysema and he, he, descri he, he, um, he describes himself as a champagne communist. So if you look, his cufflinks are the sickle and whatever it's called, the, the communist party. But he's, he's got emphysema. So um, he's one of his quotes I can't quote everybody because I won't remember but you know he's he's got to the point now where he's he's kind of welcoming death because it's so difficult to live but he's brilliant he and I really hit it off and his idea was like, I want to be you know like looking great this is Sandra Barber and she's got cancer she got she started with breast cancer and it's just kind of gone through the body she's incredible she's like survived eight years with cancer and it's gone everywhere it's like into her brain and stuff but she still keeps going and her idea was to be like um a warrior, like dressed to fight it, for when she got her uh, chemo. Were you surprised at the response that you got? Because you asked people to come forward with these. You didn't know all these people, obviously, before. Yeah, this is Lily. She she was um, a survivor of Auschwitz, and she's wearing a little gold necklace. And she have, she was she was amazing. She, I mean, they're all incredible people. But she she uh, survived Auschwitz, and she came out with 
this gold necklace, and she said it's the only gold that went into Auschwitz that actually came out of Auschwitz. And she just was, she just was, a, like she, her, 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 her whole thing was, you know, to, to, to not hold anything against anybody, you know, and to be, to be, um, to be open, you know, to humanity and not to, and to kind of like learn from our mistakes and just what I would have come away from, I would imagine, feeling very, you know, like just completely messed up. She came away with this positivity, which I, I you know, I didn't really understand, but you totally admire her for it. You surprised at the response well, for, I, people, for people yeah, coming forward? Yeah, I don't know, because I think maybe I got the really kind of positive people because they wanted to share their stories. Sure. And I'm sure they're behind other doors. There were a lot of people that didn't want to share their stories and, you know, you know, not positive. But, but I think that for me, even if you, you know, even if you watch the documentary, which goes with the, the, the show in, in Liverpool at the Walker Gallery, what you'll learn from it is so um, interesting and, 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 and optimistic and also just like helps you kind of talk about something that we don't find it easy to talk about. Mm. Um, it's, it's been a positive experience for me. This is Lou Page. Unfortunately, she passed away on Sunday and um, she had cancer. And her thing, what, what was incredible about her was she didn't she didn't make you feel uncomfortable about her emotions. So she would be kind, but you would feel really comfortable with it. And, you know, like it was normal. And, she, she, you know, some people were kind of like quite stoic. And she was stoic, but in a very kind of sort of very sensitive, outwardly emotional way. And I loved the fact she would cry when I was talking to her. And you'd feel positive about it. You'd be like, that's good. It's good that you're crying. Mm -hmm. And I wanted, I wanted, this was kind of after crying, because I wanted to show how strong she was. Um, and she, her big thing was to make it to the show, and the show was the private view was on Thursday, and then unfortunately she passed away on Sunday morning. And the guy before was a guy called Wilco Johnson. I don't know if you know him. He was in hmm. um, the musician. The musician, yeah. So what what was kind of when you were shooting when you just got into the photography? Were yeah. You trying to shake things up a bit, or were you just? No, no, I didn't go in with a. You know, it's just what I was like back in the 90s. I was just a confrontational kind of person. So I don't know. You know, for me, it was just a natural. I don't think my portrait just changed that much. But um, I wanted, you know, my photographs were all about capturing a moment. And they say that photographs are kind of like a self, a kind of act of self-portraiture. Mm. So it's all about what your energy is that you bring to the shoot that kind of emit, allows them to emit their energy. So yeah, there was. There, I was confident. I was young and I was arrogant and confident. When you look hedonistic. back on all good things to be and yeah. the right time and place. When you look back on that that period, yeah. Do you remember much of it? Because no. you, you were quite the party <laughs> boy then. You were no, I don't. There was like from '96 to probably 2001. It's hazy. Yeah, if I'm honest. But what you can remember was largely positive? Or well, I, I, I always say what saved me from, you know, my, my own sort of myself was, was portraiture because I love portraiture so much mm. that I would get up in the morning and I remember all the shoots, you know, but the parties and the sort of all the other stuff that went with it didn't really... Lost in the haze. Yeah, a little bit. But, but that's, I was also a workaholic, so 
anything else to do with addiction didn't really affect me because I was like, I'd rather be working, you know? So if I partied all night, I would be in the studio at 9.30. So, you know, so that kind of kept me sane mm. and definitely kept me from excess, you know? I was never somebody that was excessive. I was just a bit mental. But th it was the 90s and I was like early 30s, you know, late 20s, early 30s. So, and, you know, you have, you ha we had it all on a plate for about sort of six years. You and you fun. thought, you know, I always thought I was a rock star, you know, as opposed to a photographer. But you learn, you know, you learn from all those sort sure. of weird mistakes. Can you, what goes on at a ranking show? I mean, I've been on a few of them. Well, um, can you think of kind of one of it your most... gets naked, generally. Yeah, yeah. it does there. Kind of a most memorable shoot, a shoot that oh kind of God, sticks in mind? Oh, God, that's hard. It's like they're all memorable for their own, their own reason. I mean, this was a memorable shoot because it was one of my student shoots. And um, Dot was a, a life model at the, at the college. And I thought, why can't we use the life model for photography? You know, because we weren't supposed to do news and stuff. And I was like, that's ridiculous. So that was my end of year show project. And that's what my dad came to see that. And he said, you're either going to be brilliant or you're going to completely fail. <laughs> Which was good. Then he started talking to me again. Um, we've got a few more, I think. This is... Uh that's called At Last I Found True Love. One of a number of self-portraits that we've... Yeah, you make it sound like it's all I do. A little bit, all you do, yeah. No, I do it, like, I do it, do things like that, because I don't really want to do it with someone else, you know, I'm like... You used to do a lot weird. more self-portraits than you've done, you haven't really done that so much recently. No, because I've got old, and I don't like the way I look. <laughs> I don't want to, I hate retouching, so I don't want to retouch myself. But that's um, At Last I Found True Love, and it was actually, that was kind of to show people at that time how easy it was to manipulate a photograph and uh, that's Kate Moss shot for Dazed and Confused magazine what was she like to shoot because she's one of these people that you've had a, an ongoing yeah. kind of photographic affair she, with almost. she's like uh, no I wouldn't say an affair um, <laughs> she's like um, your perfect subject because she has a sense of herself through your camera, so she kind of knows how to move, and it's all very um, sort of small. You know, the movements are small, but they kind of mean a lot. You know, when you're f shooting her, you're thinking, "God, this is great! I'm getting the best shot. I'm getting the best, the best shot." So she's really easy. I always think it's funny because she makes photographers look good. Mm -hmm. You know, because she knows how to make the photograph look good, and it's such a collaboration. People think that. Models just stand there and you photograph them. It's like it's actually quite a lot of work for a model. Um, obviously, they get paid ridiculously well for it, but but um, it's not it's not as easy as just standing in front of the camera. And with her, she makes people look really great at what they do, and of course, she makes clothes look great. So what I talked about this briefly earlier in terms of what goes on in a shoot, but you yeah. You're, you can be quite rude on a shoot. You're quite kind of no holds no, barred and quite not lively. Not anymore. Well, you behave yourself really now. Really polite do you? now. I don't believe that for a second. I but think I that yeah, you're talking about what I'll say. I don't. I'm not rude to the subject. I'll no, talk, you're not. I'll talk no, about exactly. things that are possibly deemed inappropriate in a space like this. But on a shoot, I think it makes people feel comfortable if you kind of make, you know, if you're open, if you're very open about what you're feeling, uh, they they find it easy to be open with you. And I think it just it's that kind of like dis sort of like breaking you know, the, the atmosphere, because 
what happens when a famous person comes into a shoot is it's very, you know, there's a lot of pressure on them, there's a lot of pressure on you. It's like a microscope for them to be to be photographed. You know, it's like they're they're being put under a massive microscope and nowadays the photographs come up on a screen, massive screen, really and real detail and you can like zoom in on it. So any imperfection is there. And I always say to people, don't, you know, stand back from the screen, don't zoom in, don't mm. look at it zoomed in because you just become really paranoid. But that kind of pressure, you know, to perform and to look good creates this kind of weird atmosphere. So you're trying to break that atmosphere down, make it fun, make it make them laugh. So a lot of the stuff that I'll say that you would deem rude would be to make someone just think it's But like you're quite charming with it. I mean, it's, it's kind of... I say it in a nice way. It's a bit like a frat party, but just without the kind of pandemonium. Yeah, I mean, pandemonium. I'm, I'm, I am it's not like that. It's quite I, fun. I mean, the, 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 no, it was very... In the 90s, it was like I was very... Even probably early, early noughties, I was naughty most of the time. So, but, but, but that's changed, you know, that's shifted now, and it's more about a collaboration and trying to... But I still say the odd thing, you know... What I think you can say things to get a reaction from people and like certain photographers will poke people, you know, mm. like Bailey's a poker. He'll like poke you and poke you and poke you to get a reaction. Whereas I'll kind of shock you and, sh you know, say things that go, oh, you know, and it doesn't work with some people. You know, you love people that go, God, who is this ignorant, you know, oaf of a man? And, you know, you, you know, the thing about most portrait photographers, you learn that, thing where you kind of get the vibe the minute someone walks in about what they're like and what the, how far they'll go. So you start small and then you kind of work up and you can feel the kind of barrier comes mm. up or you it doesn't or they enjoy it. You know, like you get someone like Hayley Atwell, I don't know if you know the actress and she'll, she'll just join in and there's, a, there's other people that are like, oh, that's a bit weird. You must get quite good at, at reading people quite quickly. Yeah, that's what I mean, yeah. And I did this thing called Ranking Live. I don't know if you've you heard about it, but where I photographed, uh, I think it was 1,600 people over about three months, and they just were people off the street. And um, I learned very quickly within sort of five minutes how to kind of read the crowd or read the person, you know. That must be quite a useful skill to have, actually. It is, but it kind of doesn't, uh, it's really funny because it doesn't work outside, you know, you go outside the studio or outside that relationship and you think, oh yeah, I'll be great at parties. Mind reading. Actually, it? you just end up kind of being quite shy about because yeah. you're like, oh, I'm not that, you know, I'm not that, per I'm, a perfor I'm performing as a, as a portrait photographer. I'm real, but you're still kind of like, kind of give me, because you're trying to get something out of someone, so... It's like an exchange, and you have to kind of like go, come on, come on, come on, do it, do it, do it. Mm. And the energy's so high, and you're like trying to make them have a laugh and feel like they, they can be open as well and be, talk to you and be normal, you know. Because there's a lot of kind of like, I don't know how, how much people have dealt with celebrities, but people put them on pedestals, and they put them up there, and they light them up there. Their publicists light them up there, and they kind of keep them up there. So you're trying to break that down straight away and go, you know, you're just normal, you yeah. know. So my dad was always like, you know, just treat people equally. And he always said, you know, even the queen has to wipe her own bum. And, and then I photographed the queen and Wh it was which like... Which leads us well and nicely on to our <laughs> next question. But it was just that's really... That's not the queen. That's not the queen. No. No. Have we got the queen? Cool though. He's interesting because he gets such a bad rep and he's possibly one of the most charming men I've ever met. And that's absolutely for, you know, I'm not... There's no reason for me to say that. He just is charming, and it's weird. Like you, you meet him, 
and he's like, yeah, yeah, nice to meet you. Really easy to talk to. Very, very um, knowledgeable. I mean, politically, maybe people don't think he was, you know, on the right track, but uh, or economic economically, but charming. And then like the media's portrayal of him, and his, you know, what he's like in front of the media is completely, completely warped. I think that's certainly I think the first time I've seen him smile. About it. Yeah, and, I was, and, and, and he naturally smiled. I didn't make him smile. We just chatted and we got on quite well. So it was just to show that, you know, that this, what, what our perception of fame is, is always very warped. And I'm part of that, you know, I'm part of that warping it a little bit, you mm. know. I, I accept that what I do can mislead people about people very easily and what I am what and photographs are lies you know they're not they're not truths they're you know they're 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 lies hidden in in truths or or hopefully sometimes truths hidden in lies you know so that's what I'm always looking for is something there that kind of is a bit more honest but but it but it's very you know it's a construction I construct these images uh, that's the queen you didn't get a lot of time with no, she was I'm five minutes, and um, I mean it's a weird old story, and it kind of goes on. But the, rea the, the the bottom line was, I I something happened to my camera, and it <coughs> and um, and um, she smiled, she she laughed actually, and the moment she laughed, I was like, God, he never see her smiling. It's like so rare. And then I proceeded to pretend I was Austin Powers, you know, and go, Ma'am, you must smile, Ma'am, Ma'am, you must smile, uh, and she smiled again. And uh, and I got a picture of her smiling. And then um, the picture, she they 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 killed it as a picture. I don't know why they killed it at the time. But then two weeks later, the Sunday Times ran um, a piece on on it um, on the photographs that had never been seen, and mine had never been seen for two weeks. So <laughs> it caught in the. And I was like, Very clever. I was like, that was that was useful. And she sent me a letter saying, I love the stitching on the flag. Which I thought was very telling, you know. And this was before all those, you know, the movies about the Queen and an audience and all that sort of stuff. That's kind of like, you know, showing what she's really like. Um, this was like before that. So for me, it was like, wow, she's actually, a, you know, a human being. But she has, she has to be so stoic and so not show her emotions. And you start to kind of respect her as a person, maybe not as a monarch, but as a person. Now. You're famous for this, the kind of that kind of style of portraiture and, and the celebrity element, but you've done a lot of uh, campaign work for for advertising as well. But yeah. I was interested to read about your stuff you did in the Congo for for Oxfam because that was a very different yes type of trip, wasn't it? Yes. Um, well, the Congo thing was was I, I worked for uh, when I when I when I reached about the age of um, 36, um, which was about 11 years ago. My son was starting to kind of get have an awareness of what I was doing, and I, I realised that I was kind of getting a lot out of my my career and my my chosen sort of career, but I wasn't necessarily giving a lot back. So just from a very, just from a purely a conscience point of view, I started to say to charities that I'll if you want me to do this, I'll do it for free and I'll, I'll shoot for anything you want. So I started to work for Oxfam because I just think what Oxfam do really is really amazing, and. Um, I was doing celebrity photos for them, and then one day, I just said to them, "Why don't you send me to somewhere like, um, you know, a war zone or or a conflict zone, and and I'll take some pictures in that conflict zone? And what I think will happen is I'll be able to shoot people almost like celebrities, so that we can kind of 
And it's a weird thing, but to level them, because up till that point, most photographs in those kind of places make people look like victims. And I, I, and I just couldn't, I just was like, you can't be a victim. You can't always be a victim. So I went to um, Goma, um, and it was really, w it's really strange. You go to a place like that and you think, oh, they're going to have like, you know, armed guards like watching you and, you, you know, it's going to be like, it's going to be safe. It's like you have nothing. You have like a purple van um, that says Oxfam on it and that's it. And you go and it's, I mean, it's, it's terrible, terrible, you know, they're terrible places. Um, but the people are incredible and, and I took lots of, of, of photographs that were just really, uh, it's called Cheka Kodogo, which was Smile With Your Eyes. And um, um, the idea was to say, you know, these people, you know, we're, we're, we're human beings. They are, they are our equivalent brothers and sisters, mothers, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And let's treat them as such. And um, for me, it's quite a weird thing because it's a very, you know, it seems like, oh, yeah, he goes and it's like, oh, he gives to the charities, but actually what is most rewarding is what it does to you, because you go there and you go, you know what, I'm going to stop moaning about the traffic, and I'm going to stop moaning about the taxes, and I'm going to stop being a, an idiot about this stuff, and just get on with my life, and, and I go, so I get to go every now and then, I'm supposed to go to Syria um, towards the end of the year, and I get to go to these places, and it's just, a, it's like, it's like it, so life-affirming, and you come back and I've, what I found really difficult was like talking for people coming back and saying, okay, you know, what's going on here is crazy and we should, you know, we should at least give money for the water and hygiene because people die, you know, of, of lack of hygiene and water. You know, it's a very fundamental sort of need in, in society. Mm. So it's a, you know, I'm not very, I'm still not that great at it, but normally if I do a few days PR for them, I'm, I'm better at talking about it. But yeah, but, but it's, this raised but a lot of amazing. money, didn't it? This yeah, campaign I think it did a million quid, but. But you know that wasn't me. It was it was kind of what was going on there, and the fact that I think the photographs were just a little. There were a shift, and I'm not saying that documentary photographers don't do a great job. They do. I just thought I could put a different twist on it, and I've continued to go back. And we went back to Congo again, and we took cameras, and we got everyone to take their own photos. And the other thing we did do, which I really didn't want to go and like take from people, so we did an exhibition um, uh, both times. Um, and gave the pictures to everyone. So they had these pictures and one guy, the guy actually before, I think it was two back, said, oh, I'm going to use this on my coffin. And I was like, you know, that's a pretty cool, you know, that's a pretty cool thing for someone to say about your photos. So they're better private views than most private views anyway. <laughs> and there was no champagne or wine. We're in good company here. Um, I'm going to open it up to the floor very soon, but just before we do, we're all photographers now. We've all got iPhones yeah. in our pockets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all what? for that. You approve of that? Yeah, I think it's good. That I think it's great that everyone's got uh, a, a camera now because it makes photography more, um, uh, you know, debatable and dis you know people are interested and discuss it. Mm. Um, but I just think it's important that everyone doesn't think they're a professional because I studied for like eight years to do this and then I've practiced what you know the the, the art of it or for lack of a better word for 20 years and, um, you know, like Instagram does not make you a good photographer. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't. And if any, anyone that thinks, oh, I'm great at Instagram, you're great at Instagram, that doesn't make you a good photographer. Anyone can take a good photograph, but a great, consistently to produce great photographs after great photograph, 
I'm not saying that I'm a great photographer, but I know great photographers and it just is a little bit demeaning to people to kind of like for, for someone that doesn't really know, you know, what they're doing to come and say, well, that, you know, show a, a show me their Instagram photos. That's annoying because I've got everyone, to show everyone wants to show me for some reason. <laughs> Why would I want to look at your Instagram photos? It's like showing you, you know, your, your home snaps. It's like no one wants to see them. I'd go on Instagram and look at them if I wanted to look at them. Do you take photos? Have you got an iPhone? Do I you do, run but I don't use photos? Instagram. I, 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 you know, I, like, I use Twitter because I think Twitter's great, but I don't think you need Instagram. You know, it's just a profile. It's like, it's a cheat, basically, I think. But, but I like the fact that people use it. I, don't, I, I just don't partake in it, if you see yeah. what I mean. I like from a distance. That's good. Well, it's dealt with Instagram, isn't it? <laughs> um, there are some microphones around the place. If you've got a question for Rankin, Stick your hand up. Hi, um, I'm a student doing photography. Um, I look at you as an inspiration. When you were doing, when you were at university, who did you look at, look at for inspiration? That's a great question. Um, I looked at Averdon as probably my my biggest inspiration um, because he, for me, he he just had this ability to get things out of people that, and also be interested in the aspect of maybe sort of sadness or mourning or, you know, like the things that were emotionally more complex than smiley faces that everyone else does and I do. Um, and funnily enough, when I went into this Alive project, I was thinking, you know, I'll get deep and dirty and, and ended up just with very kind of like positive images. So I think that's maybe about my state of mind and, you know, maybe I'm going to be able to take more kind of mournful or you know, emo emotive photographs late, later on. I hope so, because I'd like, because I'm really, he's somebody I'd, I really admire. Um, Bailey, just because he's, he's Bailey, and I love Nick Knight. You know, I thought, I think he's a genius. People like that, really. Is there competition between you, do you think? I mean, when you... And who? Other people of, of that ilk, with Bailey oh, and, and um, Nick Knight, and those kind of, you do slightly different things, but I mean, do you ever feel that you're being judged against... I've People only like gone that. up, I mean, apparent, I think I've gone up against Bailey a couple of times and I think I've won a couple and he's won a couple of them. I don't know, you, you, you don't really, I don't really think of it like that. I don't, I'm jealous of other photographers. So like I'll see, I'm a big photo fan and that's why I do the documentaries because it's really good fun to go meet your heroes and see how other disciplines work and all that sort of stuff. So it's like going and doing like a, an intensive course at college on who you love, and then you get to meet them. Um, but um, so that I'm more like jealous. I'm more like God, I wish I'd done that. But I'm not. Don't feel competitive with them. Sometimes you've had a bad bad month. You'll think, I wish I got that job, that such and such job. And then of course you see it and you go, I'd have done it so much better than him <laughs> or her. But um, but um, you know, it's not it's not part of my makeup to be sure. to be competitive in that way. What do you feel is the difference between a good photographer and a great photographer? And, and second part, do you view yourself as very successful? Um, okay. Good and great, I think, is that Bailey said to me once, and this is, I'm not name dropping, but I am a little bit. Um, he said, um, someone said to him, do you think Rankin's a, a good photographer? But he, they meant a great photographer. And he said, I'll tell you in 10 years. And I think that's what, y it's like what your work means 
in 10 years. It's not right now, because that's the thing about photography. It's instant. It's a fraction of a second, but it takes so much time for people to really understand how much you mirrored society or you were analytical of society. And I think that's the difference. It's where your photographs are trying to do something that either elevates humanity or analyzes humanity. So that's kind of my, you know, as a portrait photographer, I'm talk, not talking about other photographers, but I think that's what the difference is. Um, and maybe, and he said, to, I don't it's 10 years ago that he said it, so I should probably ask him, but. <laughs> give him a ring. Um, yeah, give him a ring. He rings me, he's so funny, he just rings you randomly, he's brilliant. Um, um, Am I successful? I think that's what people do on the telephone. They just phone no, people. No, no, you know, it's like you don't expect him to, like, you know, like, just, he's old school. He just phones you up. You know, most people text, or I'll give you a call, or, I don't know, doesn't that what most people do? You don't, unless you're, you're I, don't, I don't think my mate, you know, my mate might call me, but I don't, you know, he's my mate, but he's not my mate, mate, you know. Um, Everyone clear? <laughs> I'm, I'm clear, anyway. I just think it's like it's respectful for me to say, can I can I call him? Sure. But he just calls me, and he calls me. He's like, uh, "What's he called? Kid?" He goes, "Kid, you white kid." Like that. And I'm like, "Oh my god, you're so amazing." <laughs> um, um, what was? Oh, am I successful? Um, oof. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, financially, I'm successful. Um, um, whether my work will sort of stand the test of time is. A different matter. I, I I would love to think it will, but I don't know. And also, you, 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 that kind of monkey that's on your back, you know, like, will it mean anything? Will it mean anything? You know, are you any good? You know, it's like it's like that thing that's like sitting there. You've got to take the best photograph you've ever taken of someone that anyone's ever taken of someone, and it's there. You can't ignore it. And because of that, you're always dealing with life, uh, in a sense, because it's a fraction of a second, etc. But whether it whether it you know, I don't know. I hope, I really hope it does, but I won't be around. Come back know? in 10 years and we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll have another one and we'll see. Do you want to grab the mic? Hi. Um, you've talked about all the things you love um, about your job. Yeah. Like, uh, parties, naughties, everything else. I don't love those anymore. <laughs> okay. Um, but the, your love of portraiture and taking photos. Yeah. And people think, wow, photographer, um, what a cool job. But is there anything you dislike about your job? Another great question. Um, no, I mean, you know, early mornings sometimes are it's tough, and some of the people you meet are idiots. But I won't ask you who. No, and I don't name and shame. It's just not worth it, you know. But there are some idiots, and some people have a very sort of weird perception of themselves and what they mean to the rest of the world um, but no I, I, I that's my only bit that I'm like oh leave your ego at home but how do you deal with that if you're if someone comes to the studio and perhaps you don't know because a lot of these people you might have met before but if there's yeah. somebody you haven't met particularly and he or she turns up and you think you're a complete whatever yeah um, does you that because you, you that must change how you deal with them because yeah I mean you just kind of I remember like um, this kid who was like, you know, a rapper, he came in and he, he, he came in, I think he was three and a half hours late or something, and he sat on his phone like that for the first shot. So he's on his phone, yeah, yeah. And I was just like, okay, I'll shoot you with your phone, you know. It's like, there's no point in 
playing, paying, you know, buying into it. But um, I just laugh at it. I think it's ridiculous. It's like I, I, I photographed a, a group of um, young lads that were in a band the other day, and they were all just messing around. And so I just started getting them to swear at me, you know, like, you know. And then it, you kind of get their attention, so they're, they're shouting, like, really, I'm going, shout louder, call me this, call me that. And if they can't see that, that the humour's on me, you know, it's on, I'm putting it on them, you know, I'm making you swear, you know, it's like, it's bizarre. But, but um, taking the mickey always works, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not scared of them, you know what I mean? So I'm not scared to say, you know, come on, look, you know, what are you doing? Do it. But... Sometimes you let people hang themselves because it's funny, isn't it? Like a kid sitting on his phone, like yeah, yeah. I'm like, it must be so important for you to be on your phone now. It's probably oh, on his, yeah. Probably his mum or something. Talk to his mum. Do me washing. Uh, any more for any more? Right, hi. Um, thank you very much. Um, and yeah, wow. Um, it's about. I wanted to ask you about this. But you've been describing like a, a sort of new social conscience, or you know, your your charitable work and working with a hospice. And I just want to ask you about. Um, I. I helped sort of run photo groups in South London for people who've had mental health problems. Yeah. And, and it's, been, it's been really inspiring. Um, but part of it is just how, actually like the aesthetic value of the picture and the way that you might think this is a picture that's really, really good when you see it in a book. It's quite different from when the picture's kind of live and you're discussing it in a group and the story of that picture. Yeah. You know, when it's actually been shared, it's, it takes on a completely different meaning. And, I just wondered how you balance those two things in terms of whether you've done any work from what you were kind of hinting out of your collaborations with charities, which kind of brings that more kind of home to you. Um. Um, yeah, I mean, I have done a little bit of that. I mean, I love, I always, I, I'm always approached by TV channels to do films, to do documentaries. And I always say, let's do something with kids, you know, because I think, I know it's not, to say any type of kid or, you know, just to, to say let's do something with kids. Because I think television is a great medium to, if you express stuff through television, like you get kids to work on a project, what happens is that schools all across the country take on that project. And I get so many emails from schools saying, we d I did a project called Destroy, where I got um, like famous musicians to destroy photographs. That I'd taken of it, and I did it because I loved the word destroy. I loved the expression destroy ranking. I just thought it was a really great, a great kind of like destroy what our, my perception of you is and recreate it for your, yourself. And also, I thought it was really good for kids who see photographs of musicians and uh, artists all the time, like you know, posing effectively to look cool. And I thought, well, maybe this will help kids understand that it's construction and that can be a reconstruction. Anyway, I did it on something called Jamie's Dream School and I've, n I've not had a response like that from, a from anything else I've ever done, you know, and I've done brilliantly, you know, very worthy documentaries. Um, but this, like every, all the schools around the country were sending me in, me in their photos that they destroyed and I, that type of thing is good. But it's hard to go and do it with like small groups because I mean, time-wise, it's difficult to because so many people ask you to do it. And also, my thing is, if I'm going to do it, the platform to do it on is mainstream TV, and get you know, and get other people doing stuff like that outside the. And not to be worthy, but to just actually create a 
you know, some sort of discussion, you know, with photography, because that's what it is. We all use, we all know what a selfie is now, you know. It's like we've got this ability to, s we're selling ourselves with our image, you know, and it's an interesting time to start sort of like, like deconstructing that and saying, well, why, why is, you know, the camera up here, why does it make you look better? And why do you want to look like Justin Bieber? And, you know, that, you know, and well, who is Justin Bieber? And why does he have his photos taken in that way? And that kind of deconstruct, I think it's really healthy. That's, I guess, the most important thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would like to do it, and but that would be the format I'd like to do it, the, 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 the sort of place I'd like to do it the most. Great. Well, thank you very much indeed for coming. Um, thank you. And please join me to say thank you very much to Ranky. Cheers, mate. Good to see you again. Thank you. Thank you very much.